Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hello. Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course, I think my voice just cracked, of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Our little Richard's all grown up. Good to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River oh, Resort, man. home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You can visit them online at PearlRiverResort.com. That's PearlRiverResort.com. Ceasefire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge. How do you do that? What's well, easy. You get gigabit fiber internet. It's like a rocket ship for your internet and your business. Learn more at Ceasefire.com slash business. Thursday afternoon. Football coming up tonight, and uh actually got a couple of kind of entertaining games. No, I'm not talking about Thursday night football in the NFL. Nor should you be. I, I, I'm talking uh, about no. some of the uh, the college football games that's, that are. are that's on the a chore. Tonight. That's work to watch that. Pair of three and three teams getting after it at Chapman Stadium in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Rice Owls and the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, both one and one in league play, both three and three overall. And uh, James Madison, undefeated, top of the Stun Belt Conference standings, ineligible for everything. Did you guys see the uh, story yesterday, I think it was, that the appeal that they had made, I think it was the uh, Attorney General for the state of Virginia, I think that's who filed the appeal with the NCAA. Um, it was denied for uh, for their ability to play in the postseason. It's incredible. And Charlie Baker, the uh, pres- President Charlie Baker, of the uh, NCAA outlined all the reasons why it was important to have the full two years to transition because of uh, the uh, the greater requirements for student athletes and their well being and the uh, the academic yeah. transition. Yeah. God, and God forbid uh, and you're too that, good. Yeah, because Division One football is known for its high level academics, and the FCS and Division Two and Division Three are known for not having good. Ac- that, that's right, Charlie. Yeah, they James Ma- James Madison University needs to adjust to the academic standards of college football. That, that's spot on, there, pal. Yeah, of Florida State. Yeah. 
I mean, if it had been Alexander From Hamilton University or, you know, Thomas Jefferson University, it probably would have gotten done, but it's just James Madison. It's just James Madison. All right, yeah. Now, now, James K. Polk University would have had no shot. Yeah. (laughs) Miller Fillmore College. No way. Oh, no. No. I was trying to see if I could pull up the uh, letter. I I, I thought I had it right It's word salad. If you just want to describe. So I had a salad last night for dinner. I can just tell you what was in that. It was a bet? No, that's what I wanted. The salad. Salad. Choice? Yeah. Uh, Charlie Baker tells... Um, Bless you. Goodness, you. look at him. All right, then. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was the Attorney General of the state of Virginia. In a letter, Charlie Baker reminds the Attorney General that his organization is simply applying the rules that the schools themselves passed. The current two-year oh transition period was intended to provide adequate time for schools to demonstrate... They have met the necessary requirements to become an FBS member and adjust to the increased requirements for student-athlete support in addition to FBS competition. This timeline is intentional and membership-driven and applies to all schools that transition from FCS to FBS. Thank you for your concern. What a joke. Again, uh, this is an organization that is technically... Supposed to put the athletes first, and you've got a team of 85 plus walk on players that are undefeated, that are the best team in their conference. That if they go undefeated, they, they won't make the playoff, but they, they certainly could play in an access bowl, an incredible thing. And they could play in an access bowl and take on Southern Cal, like Tulane did last year, or Oregon. Or somebody like that. And the opportunity for James Madison to play in a conference championship and in those games are something that those kids would remember for the rest of their and, lives. And, and you're robbing them of the opportunity to play in that game. Well, but, but let's be clear. If the NCAA really cared about the student-athlete experience, they perhaps would make an exception. But all they do is give lip service to caring about the student-athlete Experience, Of course. By the way, under the recent direction of the Division I Transformation Committee, a comprehensive review of FBS memberships was conducted over the past several months. The committee's work led to the D1 Council's adoption of significantly increased financial aid requirements and an increased fee to reclassify from FCS to FBS. Now, I don't know if this is all bad, but they are making it harder. The, the Division I Council is. They're making it more difficult for schools to make the transition from FCS to FBS. I do think we can all kind of look at it and go, clearly there are a lot of teams that are members of the FBS that probably would be better suited as members of FCS. True. But in this particular case, eh, I don't know. They're clearly Uh, ready. James Madison is very clearly ready for this. Yeah. They are a wagon. How about this line from the letter? The Division I Board of Directors and Council believe clear standards and timelines for reclassification purposes will promote strategic membership growth and allow uniform experience for all reclassifying institutions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, guy. All right. Oh, 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 but the... 
You want the best part of the letter? Can I give you the best part of the letter? This is from Charlie Baker to Jason Miares, Attorney General, Commonwealth of Virginia. Two of the last three paragraphs. James Madison may still access postseason bowl participation this year if an insufficient number of active FBS institutions meet the requirements for bowl eligibility. If there are not enough active FBS institutions that meet the requirements for bowl eligibility and James Madison meets the definition of a deserving team, then there are criteria for filling the open slots that may allow for James Madison to participate as a reclassifying institution in its final year of reclassification. Just. There's a loophole. So. If we don't have enough enough bottom feeders with six wins, then your 11 wins, your 12 wins might be good enough to go play in Montgomery or Mobile or Shreveport or. and, And I'm not taking shots at any of those places. Just. Here's a good question, though, because when people say, like for Mississippi State, just play Spivey, just play him. What is the NCAA going to do? You don't want to know the answer to that question because they actually can, in theory, punish you. But in this situation, they don't govern bowl games. They don't govern the college football postseason. Why doesn't a bowl game just invite James Madison? What's the NCAA going to do? Tell them no, they can't. They have no power over the Camping World Bowl or whatever. Just invite them. Seriously. You're you're probably looking at an undefeated conference champion, James Madison, with, for the Sun Belt, a very large fan base. And I promise you they'd be pretty fired up to go to whatever bowl game they get to go to. Mm -hmm. Just bring them. Invite them. Who cares? Who cares? Just invite them. You've got tie-ins with the Sun Belt anyway. Just, we'll we'll bring James Madison. What are they going to do? Fine us? No. They got nothing. Just do it. Somebody on the ceasefire text line said, say, the sunny water bottle, in that accent. <laughs> uh, ben says, sorry, decisions like this are why everyone hates the NCAA, Dan and Hattiesburg. I'm sorry, all I heard was adjusting to the BS. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, speaking of, speaking of, did you see that Mike Boynton, I don't know if that name rings a bell, he's the, uh, he's the head basketball coach, at Oklahoma State. You remember Oklahoma State was banned from playing in the postseason last year despite having a resume that was deserving? Mike Boynton came out and said, look, that can't be undone. But you know what I want? I want the NCAA to just come out and say, you know, we screwed up. We made a misguided decision. Just publicly acknowledge it. Here's the deal. Out of all the schools that were named in the FBI investigation. I think there are two, there's one or two cases remaining. The only school that has received a postseason ban is Oklahoma State. They missed the NCAA tournament last year. Kind of a big deal in basketball. Do you know what the difference in Oklahoma State's case was and everybody else's case? Oklahoma State chose, for the sake of expeditiousness, to deal directly with the NCAA and the Committee on Infractions. All of the other schools went through the process with the IARP, you know, that was supposed to streamline everything and make this more standardized. Guess what the NCAA is doing to the IARP? They have one case left on the docket 
and then that entity is being disbanded. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. You on this Thursday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. You want to join the conversation? You can on the Ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Good to be with you. Uh, always good to be with you. If you have not done so yet. You still got a couple of days to get your picks in for this week's Polk's Pick Six. Supertalk.fm slash Polk's. Supertalk.fm slash Polk's. That'll get you to the Pick Six page. It's really simple. You pick six winners. You enter a uh, total points number for a tiebreaker score. And you give us your contact information. And you got a chance to win. Like both Mike and Lucas did last week. Some of you were concerned about Lucas not getting a fair shake and only getting whatever it was that Will East agreed to him, and so we're just gonna we're just gonna send two prizes this week. So Lucas and Mike both getting the uh, the prize pack from Polks, and we hope you enjoy. A little bit. There's no sausage wrongdoing on this show. By God, no. sausage. Here your six games: Mississippi State at Arkansas, Ole Miss at Auburn, Tennessee at Alabama. Penn State at Ohio State, Duke at Florida State, and Utah at Southern Cal. Tiebreaker, total points between the dogs and the hogs. Then just enter your contact information and hit submit, and boom, you are entered for a chance to win. I promise you my intention was not to come on and talk about the NCAA right out of the gate today. Just wasn't. It just happened, hey, Dan. Sometimes life steers you in a direction that you didn't intend to go. We can't. You can't conceal your true love. However, this part's intentional. Speaking of the NCAA, prominent story arising today involving the NCAA. I don't know how this is possible, but it appears as if the NCAA is not the bad guy in this story. The NCAA is investigating the Michigan Wolverines football program amid allegations of sign stealing. In 1994, primarily as a cost-cutting measure, the ability to send personnel to a future opponent or potential future opponent's game for the purposes of scouting was outlawed by the NCAA. It is a member-driven organization, perhaps you remember. It was the members that made this determination for all. Uh, Yeah, so that's been in place since 1994. Ward Manuel, Athletics Director at Michigan, 
I want to personally assure you that UM Athletics will offer its complete cooperation to the NCAA in this matter. At the University of Michigan, all of us are committed to the highest standards of ethics and integrity for all members of our community. This is the same expectation I have of all coaches, staff, and student-athletes. The Big Ten released a statement. The Big Ten Conference considers the integrity of competition to be of utmost importance and will continue to monitor the investigation. Sorry, I was just trying to decide if I wanted to insert a joke about 2020 and actually not competing, but I just decided to let that slide. Big Ten has integrity. Mm. So, two things on this front. I spoke to somebody earlier today uh, in coaching, because I actually know somebody in coaching, and he sent me a, a screenshot, and this is as much as I can are say. Are they a life coach? Or are they no, a football, football coaching, coach. uh, of a conversation okay. he had with somebody where they were talking about, and no, this person does not coach at Ole Miss or Mississippi State and never has, uh, where they were talking. This is not from Nolvin Smith. This is from 2011. No, 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 2021, two years ago, where they were talking about Michigan doing stuff like this. That it is not a secret. And also, Greg Schiano earlier this year, at halftime of the Michigan game, this is at halftime, as they're going into the locker room, they're only down a touchdown. Now, tell me he's not implying some things in this halftime interview this year as his team goes into the locker room. This is on Fox. Coach, four penalties for your team in the first half. Some that cost you. How do you clean that up in the second half? Well, there's some stuff going on out there, so we just got to slow it down a little bit. There's some things going on that aren't right as well, so we'll talk about how to handle it. Oh. Yeah. You know what he's saying. So this happened. Yeah. You guys may not remember this, but uh, uh, 2011, State went to Auburn, and Mullen accused Chiswick of having a tap on the headset. And there's a there's a point in the game where the ref goes over to Chiswick and is like, you can't use your headsets anymore. And, and Chiswick goes, and has like this look on his face. And they were, I don't think anything ever came of it, but State was convinced that they, they were hearing feedback in their own headsets, that they were like, somebody's on here with us. This is a step above that, though. This is, we are sending people to learn your signs. Here's what we don't know yet. We don't know if they... What is alleged in this story, and and the Yahoo Sports story was was pretty good, from, uh, from Dan Wetzel and Ross Dellinger. Michigan allegedly had people attending games of future opponents as well as possible college football playoff opponents to gather information on signs used to call plays on offense and defense. What we don't know is whether that meant they were just staring and trying to commit it to memory, whether they were taking notes on signs they saw that coincided with plays, or whether they were actually videoing what was happening on the sidelines and bringing that back. It feels like it would be hard to inconspicuously video the entire game. Yeah. Like, where are you going to sit in the stands where somebody doesn't eventually go, what are you doing, man? 
Yeah. Like the person that's sitting, standing behind you or sitting behind you that sees you videoing, but you're not actually videoing the game. You're videoing the opposing sideline and like, for the entirety of the are game. Are you there with an actual video camera? Because, I mean, an iPhone, there's no way you can get close enough to, to do it. So, Oh, sure you could. You go to like a 3X Zoom or a 5X Zoom from 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 an inconspicuous seat, though? Don't you really just need to take notes? Probably. Do you need to get out of camera? I think think this is a lo-fi solution to this. Yeah. We're just taking notes. Yeah, you got a little pad out. I mean, or or just typing in your phone. Heck, you use the notes app and and just sit there and, and type and, hey, that signal means this and this means this or... Yeah. So if all this is true, it means the Wolverines would have violated bylaw 11.6.1, which states off-campus in-person scouting of future opponents in the same season is prohibited. By the way, the next opponent for Michigan, Michigan State. And so, of course, Teresa Woodruff, the interim president at Michigan State, would chime in. We are chagrined, she says, by the news of the NCAA investigation, and we echo the Big Ten Conference's commitment to integrity. The allegations are concerning, but we uh, will be handled through the NCAA's processes. Integrity. Hey, you know what was missing from Ward Manuel's statement? The word chagrined? Well, <laughs> A I, guess it, word. I guess there are two things that were missing. Yeah. This absolutely did not happen. It's a witch hunt. We will not stand for it. We will stand by our coaches. Ooh, witch hunt. There we go. No, they didn't get that. And we instead, see a picture you got of Ward Manuel on a tricycle. We'll know for sure, though. Committed to the highest standards of ethics and integrity for all members of our community. The same expectation I have for all of our coaches, staff, and student athletes. Yeah, they probably did it. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. kind of like they did it. Sounds like they got caught red-handed. So, so, what are you going to do about it, NCAA? Are you going to treat them like Oklahoma State and ban them from the postseason? Or are you going to treat them like Kansas, LSU, Louisville? Who else? Don't forget that they haven't concluded the illegal practicing thing yet either oh that's right that's right harbaugh he probably needs to go coach the bears next year it's time to go it's, it's time probably, to get out and probably just... time to ease on out of ann arbor and oh by the way it happens to be while he has the best team that he's had in his time in ann arbor man don't you know connected. don't you know there are gonna be a lot of people cheering for penn state and ohio state when they play michigan this year for the first time in a while yeah yeah. Yeah. Who knew that James Franklin could be the sympathetic figure? Eh, hold on, let's not go crazy. Luke Johnson next. Hey guys, what happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Form your guest line, 
where we go right now to visit with our friend Luke Johnson, co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel, and available to you at supertalk.fm as uh, a podcast or just streaming right there on the website if you would like. Farm Bureau, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson on the road this afternoon. Kind enough to uh, spend a few minutes with us today. Luke, you guys had Will Hall, the head coach at Southern Miss, on the Eagle Hour today, and uh, he dropped some pretty big news on you. Yeah, Richard. Headed down to uh, tonight. Uh, I've never seen Logan Cook play in person, so uh, getting to go watch you guys in the Jags tonight, so pretty cool. Yeah, Hold on, hold on. You wearing a Jags jersey? I'm wearing a black shirt. Okay. Even though, even though I am a diehard Saints fan, it is hard to uh, to wear to wear it on a night where you're watching a kid you poured four or five years of your life into. Well, so. in, in, in truth, what you need is for the Saints' defense to be really good, so you can see Logan a lot. I think that probably is a good sign. I'm going to be sitting by Lynn and Tracy also. That'll so be good. That, that, that measures with it, too. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun night. Please tell them I said hello. I will. Wonderful people. Will Wonderful people. Um, all right, so Will Hall comes on the show today and uh, and kind of drops a bomb about his plans going forward starting immediately. Yeah, so, you know, he came on today uh, like he does every Monday, and we literally just review all three phases. He has comments about, you know, each phase. And then he went right into talking about the offense, and it had not worked out like he uh, he wanted. And he made the announcement that effective immediately, he will hand game planning and play calling off to offensive coordinator Sam Gregg and quarterbacks coach Jordy Joseph. And he cited a few reasons for that. He he thought it would work, you know, um, at Southern Miss. It hasn't worked out like he thought it would. And he's he's going to you know spend some more time focusing on uh, you know, the team as a whole. And and uh, you know, kind of taking more of a, uh, a CEO approach rather than coaching hard on that side of the ball. So that is, uh, it was a bomb. It kind of caught us off guard, and uh, we he just walked through that, and that's the plan going forward. But that is effective immediately. You know, you you think about offensive minded coaches, and it feels to me, Luke, like this is this is a struggle for every coach that has a play calling background an offensive coordinator background that becomes a head coach. Um, it's something that Lane Kiffin has talked about. It's something that Hugh Freeze has talked about. It's something that Mike Gundy has dealt with through the years. The, the list of guys that have had kind of this internal battle about how to do both is, is long and distinguished. Yeah, there, there's just so much, I think, that goes on from the top that you don't expect when you when you move up. You know, certainly he had served on on three D one staffs before, but when you're managing personnel, you're recruiting, everything is just shot up and when you think about not just not just coming up with a game plan for three phases, but basically scripting and then play calling one side of the ball specifically. Um, yeah, you got an offensive coordinator, but you're the offensive coordinator and that that can be a real challenge and I said it today on the show. I mean, props to Will Hall. There's a lot of egos in the coaching world that wouldn't do what he has decided to do. And uh, I think, you know, that, that's a that's a salute to him, trying to do whatever it takes uh, to right the ship. 
Right, so, Luke, what was missing? I mean, uh, I, I get when you, you've lost five in a row or six in a row, I guess six in a row, and you're, you're one and six on the year. You're evaluating everything, and you're trying to figure it out. But if you're leaving the, the role of play calling and game planning so that you can manage the team overall, does that mean he was trying to do everything and was accomplishing nothing, or his focus wasn't enough in one area? What does that mean? I just think right now he's looking for, for sparks anywhere. I mean, obviously you can continue to change, do what you've been doing, and it's not working. So, you know, allow in the moment somebody else to, to make those de, those decisions, you know. And both of those guys have worked in this system for a long time. Jordy Joseph came up from Tulane. Sam Gregg was with uh, Will at West Georgia and West Alabama. Of course, he's the offensive line coach. I feel like – both of those guys' names were listed because Greg is the offensive coordinator, um, but he hasn't, you know, been a play caller. Um, and he, with coming up with Will, you know, I would have assumed Will would have been the play caller. Both of those, I feel like it's going to be more of a Jody, Jordy Joseph play calling. But Sam, as the offensive coordinator, obviously will be involved in every step of the game plan. But um, yeah, I think Will's just trying to, you know, uh, not not hand hand it off. Um, in, in the sense where, yeah, I'm not going to do it anymore. I, I just think he's literally saying, let's get a spark somewhere, you know, and, and let, let somebody else let somebody else have a shot at it um, so that I can be the best that I can be and maybe they can be the best that they can be. Luke, do you think this was Will's decision or do you think this came from Jeremy McLean as, as more of a directive? Um, I mean, we, we – Asked Bob asking today, you know, what an extended conversation was, you know, after um, I, I can't answer that. I don't I don't know the answer to that. We don't really shed light on that. But I mean, I do think that Will sees the big picture and I do think that Will wants to be at Southern Miss for a long time. So whether that's him making that decision or somebody encouraging him to make that decision, I think he sees the big picture. And it's hard to do in situations like this. I mean, we've all seen coaches bunker down and refuse to change, and it's to their detriment long, long period. So whether that is Jeremy influencing that decision, obviously Will made it, um, but I think it, it's whoever made that decision or, you know, takes whole responsibility for that decision, I think it's the right decision. Yeah, Luke, we haven't had a chance to talk to you since the, uh, since the game last night, and I, I, would, I would make a comparison to basketball. I, I've used this analogy a lot in the past. When you're making shots – it doesn't really matter what kind of offense you run. It looks it looks good, right? I mean, it looks like the ball movement's good. Everything looks fluid. When you're missing shots, the, the, it's really easy for the guy on row 13 to start yelling, oh, the dude's playing street ball. They don't have any idea what's going on. I, I kind of feel like there, there's an element of this here as well. If you're scoring points and winning games, nobody really cares what the offense looks like. So, what has to change? Because if you watch that game on on Tuesday night, there were uh, you were looking hard to see if there was any effort, and it didn't feel like there was a lot of effort that you saw. And, and I I certainly don't want to a- accuse a football team of quitting because I, I feel like that's a pretty drastic accusation. But it didn't look good on Tuesday night. I was pretty candid yesterday uh, on the Eagle Hour. Um, I just I used a, a, a plethora of adjectives. I mean, I said it was I was embarrassed as a former player. 
I said it was putrid, it was horrible, it was bad, it was terrible. Um, I had people texting me that they were hurting, but they were just kind of numb to it. And I, I felt like there were a couple guys, particularly like Swayze Bozeman, he played his tail off, but I felt like as a whole that team didn't even take the field. Now, now there, there are certain things that nobody wants to hear. There were certain injuries, and you can't you, – you know, you, you can't – Jay Stanley didn't play. I, I, I get all that. I'm just saying – Overall, though, to your point, it, it felt like nobody got off the bus. Um, and that's one of those things that's unacceptable. And I was completely embarrassed. And one of the things Will told us today was he said that, uh, you know, particularly older players talked about how embarrassed they were at that performance. And what do you do? I mean, you, you still have five games left. So you have to respond. You don't have a choice but to respond. And nobody believes in you, so you might as well believe in yourself. But – yeah, I was I was pretty I was very very embarrassed as a former Golden Eagle, and I even said on the show yesterday what I saw on on a Tuesday night wasn't worthy to be called Southern Miss football. Luke Johnson on the road this afternoon. He's headed to New Orleans. Going to watch the Saints and the Jags play tonight in the Dome, and uh, especially keep an eye on Logan Cook, the uh, former. Uh, Mississippi State Bulldog, and uh, a guy that Luke worked with a lot growing up in. Uh, uh, in, in kind of his role as punting, talk a little bit about Southern Miss. All right, so so final thought. How how, does, how do you go forward? Okay, you make this change, right? And that's about trying to kind of plug a like. There's a hole in the dam, and you're trying to stick some bubble gum on it to to buy yourself a little bit more time. What what do the changes look like? Big picture. I mean, the the the, the next two games, uh, it's going to be tough to win at App State, even if you were playing well, but. You know, if you can get a win against ULM, you get a little confidence. They just what you want is just to see vast improvement. Um, you want to see them uh, take advantage of situations. I mean, early in that game the other night, yeah, they were never in it. You know, after the second quarter, but they had a couple things going in the first quarter, and it's been the same thing. What happens if they actually make plays in the first quarter? What happens if they don't make mistakes in the first quarter? And so, the first quarter against App State is really where you're going to tell is is there a fundamental you know difference in in approach. Is a fundamental difference in mindset, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they could probably, possibly, win two, and I think at this point you would take that. Uh, if, if you lose the ULM and you and you go out, it's gonna make it really tough. Will did kind of hint today that the offensive play calling will be addressed immediately after the off season. I took or in the off season, I took that as he will probably bring in a play caller. He didn't say that. Uh, but, you know, he was pretty candid today, probably the most candid that we've ever had him on the Eagle Hour. And for a dude that's pretty straight up all the time, it, it was, it was you know, it was even being more uh, even more more candid today. He knew something had to happen, and, you know, I, again, I tip my hat to, uh, to him making changes. Luke, thanks for your time. Be safe on the road. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back with you right after this. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk.tv. 
You can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Borky, the audio, there were a couple of things that you wanted to get to yeah, from this, the Eagle Hour, right? Th- th- there, was, uh, there was some talk the other night and uh, a picture floating around of, uh, of Jeremy McClain and Will Hall after the game. And it led people to speculate, you know, what are they talking about? And we saw it, remember, we saw the visuals uh, after Herm Edwards lost, what was it, to Portland State? I lost a game at Arizona State, and his athletic director met him off the field, and everybody was right when they said, oh, that's not good. If your AD is waiting for you at the end zone before you get to the tunnel after a bad loss, that's not good. Well, there were people drawing the same comparisons uh with Will Hall after the South Alabama loss. He was asked about it on the Eagle Hour. You'll hear, you'll hear some of the question and his answer to that, and I think there's some interesting things in that answer that we should talk about. Well, okay. uh, a, a lot of hubbub about uh, what a, was apparently a long conversation that you had after the game uh, Tuesday night uh, with Jeremy McClain down in the end zone. Uh, can you share with us, uh, or can you share, will you share with us, uh, what the crux of that conversation was? Yes, I guess me and Jeremy had that conversation. I know me and him talk like that after every game, you know, whether it's on the phone or face to face. Uh, you know, obviously I'm not happy. I'm, I'm the least happy person about where we're at in the world. And, and we're just talking about issues we've got and things we've got to fix, what my plan is moving forward to fix it, what we can fix right now, and also what we can fix moving forward in the future. Uh, you know, guys, in year three, uh, we have not taken the quick route to fix this. You know, a lot of people talk about the portal. And, and and being able to flip a roster, and that is true, but the rules didn't change to where you could go to 85 to this past year. You know, Texas State signed more players this past year than we were able to sign in our first year one and two combined. You know, and this has happened at Southern Miss before. Corky Palmer's fourth year, Coach Bowers' third year, Jay Ladner's third year. And I'm not making an excuse. We should be better than what we are this year. But we built this program to last. Like I said, we've got 28 players in year three or more, we'll have 57 next year. I didn't come here to flip it and leave like everybody else does. I love this place. I'm building it to last. I am disappointed that we're not better than what we are. Like I said, my big... So, what stood out to me in that, at least, and I'll give you an example. So, uh, right outside of my neighborhood, a little bit down the street outside of my neighborhood, uh, was an old pharmacy. And it had been staying there vacant for a long time. And somebody finally bought the land or the, the property, and they basically tore the entire building down, and they are rebuilding it. And it's going to be a doctor's office, a couple of other things. Every day, James and I drive by that building, and he tells me about the new thing that is there or what they're doing. And every day, there's progress made on the building. It looks better than it did the day before. They, they, are, they, they destroyed this building, and they are building it up. And each day, you see the progress of the construction workers and what they're doing. I understand not every year is going to be better than the year before. It doesn't work like that. But when you say, and when you're talking about, we built the program to last, you should expect to see progress in that build in year three instead of regression. And so fans are wondering, if you're talking about what is being built, why does it look like it was worse? That that it's worse off now than it was before instead of seeing the fruits of the labor of the progress of the build. People weren't expecting to go 10-2 and two this year, but they were expecting to see a step forward. And instead, it appears that there have been three steps taken backward. 
And so when you tell the people it was this was built to last, well, then why does it look worse? That's a really reasonable question to ask. And like I was, as you were saying that, I was trying to think. I was like, okay, was there some you know pithy answer? Well, you know, you got to break it on down to build it back up. I mean, what are we an Alabama song now, or or, you know? I'm trying to think. I mean, he referenced a couple of situations at Southern Miss where. Okay, first couple of years are okay, and then it falls off, and then you really get it going. I mean, I certainly hope for Will's Hall, Will Hall's sake that that's the case surrounding this football team. That okay, year one was bad. We all knew it was going to be bad. Year two showed some significant progress. Should we have all known all along that year three was going to be the worst of it all, or should that have been building on to the? reasonable success of year two, which is the point you're making. And if it's not the case, is there like a bottom out that has to happen as you kind of work your way through roster change? I mean, is Southern Miss going to go through an offseason like Colorado did? Like Texas State did that he referenced just a second ago where they completely flipped the roster? And can, can you do that without a... Big, big NIL bucket. I don't know. I just don't know. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us alongside Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you as always from the Pearl River Resort Studio, Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can visit them online at Dancing Rabbit Golf and plan your trip or uh, just book a tee time. DancingRabbitGolf.com. Courses in outstanding shape. Outstanding shape. Uh, right now, the Oaks and the Azaleas, two 18-hole championship courses, the Dancing Rabbit, part of Pearl River Resort. Seaspire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Connect and protect. It's the plan that you want and the kids that your phone, or the, the, the kids that your phone wants. Stop, strike that, turn it around, flip it, really walk a moment. The, um... The phone that your kids want. Although our devices are coming for us eventually. Um, yeah, I don't really want to think about that. I'd, I'd rather not. It's all the same to you. But, yeah. So, anyway, the protection that you want for your kids with the device that they want, learn more at cspire.com, cspire customer inspired. Which game are you looking forward to tonight? 
I don't know if looking forward to is the right. I no, I'm so stupid that I have talked myself into being excited to watch the Saints game tonight. And okay. yes, I am okay. Like I, I, I think so anyway. Mentally, I, I think I'm okay. You know how sometimes before you do something, you, you play music to hype yourself up. Like yeah, there are some people that like uh, in every break today you have pumping into your your, your headphones. I can feel it. Something like that. So, like, people will play you Christian rock or whatever on their way to church. Just get them fired up for the service. You know, before a workout, you'll you'll put on rap or whatever. What people do that? I know people that do that. That that will play like as they're getting ready for church. They'll 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 put on some some Christian music, kind of get them get the the Jesus juices flowing. uh, You know, in the morning before they go to church and worship. What like like striper. I, uh, whatever their their choices, I, I know I do actually know people that do that. But like you know, more something more relatable, uh, like before you go on a workout, you, you got your you got your rap, whatever, uh, hard rock, just getting you pumped up. So I've been doing that today, get, getting myself ready to watch the Saints tonight, and um, it, like the most appropriate music I could find to get ready to watch this team. Because this is this is what to expect. (laughs) (laughs) Richard, did you did you have to have the cassette player for your for your locker room music? Or or had you made it gone to CDs by then? I'm not uh, making fun of him. I certainly had it. It was CDs. Okay. I, I wore out the Metallica Black Album pregame on, on cassette. Hmm. On cassette? Heck yeah. Okay. Yeah. 93? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's about the time the transition was happening, huh? It's starting to happen, yeah, but, you know. Uh, I'm just a little, little plumber son. Uh, audio quality got a little better with CDs, didn't it? Yes. Well, that you didn't have to wait, you know, 30 seconds to rewind of Wolf and Man. Jeez. Did did people have vinyl in locker rooms way back in the day? A record player getting you fired Maybe. up? Maybe so. Maybe so. Ugh. So you guys aren't holding out any hope? No, I am because I'm stupid. Oh, no, they, they can win. Hey, hey, there it is. You need something to get fired up tonight. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, okay. Can I get you going a little bit? A little bit. Oh, me, man. It was uh, rocking a few years ago. It won't be rocking tonight. You can get you can get in the door for the price of the beer inside of the stadium tonight. Whew. Yeah. I mean, mine got some cheap tickets. He's excited. Trevor Lawrence is going to play heavily braced on his left knee, so you know maybe that's that's something. Defense is not the issue. That's what's so frustrating about this stupid football team is Dennis Allen gets half of it exactly right. The defense is dominant, and they are good, and they are multiple, and they've suffered injuries, and it hasn't mattered. They're playing guys that they're 
pulling out of nowhere to, to play safety for him, uh, one of which, an undrafted rookie with a, a club on his hand, is playing safety and playing great. Like, one half of this team is outstanding. Defensive line was a question going into the season. They signed a couple of guys that were just rotational pieces to start, and they're playing great. And then it's the other side of the ball, which is so painful to watch them conduct offense. I mean, Alvin Kamara is going on a podcast straight up saying, we are so uncreative on offense. Ooh. Like, he's talking with Nick Underhill, just frank about creativity's gone. I mean, we are doing things that teams don't do anymore because everybody knows what it is. Like, there's no innovation, there's no creativity. And he's so right. But everybody knows it and nothing changes. It's terrible. Saints are a favorite tonight. Two-point favorite. ESPN's matchup predictor gives the Saints a slightly less than 43% chance to win. Slightly less. Trevor Lawrence going to go or no? They said he's going to play. He he quote-unquote wants to play. He's practiced a little this week. They're going to put him through a pregame workout. And if... If it all goes well, then he's going to play. Four players out tonight for the Saints. It's probably not news. Uh, JT Gray, Ryan Ramchek, James Hurst, Landon Young, Jamal Williams, questionable. Uh, he's going to play, they said. He is out for the Jaguars. Tyson Campbell out. Walker Little out. Devon Hamilton's on IR. Trevor Lawrence, questionable. That's the official injury report. Well, Hurst and Ramchek being out is brutal. I mean, they're, it's already a bad offensive line, and now you're missing both of your tackles. And so, Andrews Pete's going to play tackle, which, you know, um, hold your nose and say that that's until he, okay. Until he gets concussed, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you at least know what he is. Like, he's not particularly good at this point in his career, but at least, like, he, you know what he is. Uh, Trevor Penning is not starting over... A guy that they're pulling up from the practice squad, whose name I don't even remember. I mean, a complete disaster with that pick. I mean, first-round pick, was injured most of last year, couldn't play much. But, man, both of the starting tackles are hurt tonight, can't play, and they're still not starting him. That's how bad it's gotten. So, Jamal Williams was activated from IR earlier today. Ron Matthews, questionable tonight with a foot injury. DeMario Davis, questionable knee-related. Yeah, and so I think Matthews is going to play. But Davis is a a true game-time decision, hasn't practiced this week. This is pretty incredible. And by the way, shout-out to Brandon Mississippi product, DeMario Davis, by the way, uh, by way of Arkansas State late bloomer. Never missed a game due to injury. Wow. Never missed a game due to injury. That's incredible. Pretty physical sport. Yeah, and and that position as well. He's been in the league over a decade. Never missed due to injury. He might tonight, though. Um, Either the the college games interest you tonight, Rice and Tulsa or James Madison and Marshall? James Madison, Marshall? James Madison, Marshall, for sure, yeah. Kind of grabs you a little bit? For sure, yeah. Hey, now we're talking during the break about Charles Huff and just what a good job he's done at Marshall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Really good coach. Good recruiter, too. Let's turn our attention to uh, to Saturday. And and we'll do that in further detail in uh, in our next segment. Going to visit with David Cobb coming up at uh, 4.37, so about half an hour from right now. Actually, 20 minutes or so from uh, right now. We'll talk about him with some of the big games in college football this weekend. But, hey, Dad, as, as the week, um, as we grow closer to the weekend and get closer to Mississippi State's game with Arkansas on Saturday morning with an 11 a.m. kickoff, are you hearing any more as it pertains to injury? Are you more convinced now than you were on Monday or Tuesday about Mike Wright versus Will Rogers? Any other injury news? Any anything kind of bubbling up? Well, uh, well, I've got a lot to tell you, and we'll tell you when we come back. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just setting it up. So let's talk a little bit more about Mississippi State and Arkansas on the other side of the timeout. Hey, Dad says he's got a lot to tell us. Is he telling the truth? Tune in to find out. We're back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio right after this. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Surprised yesterday when Ty Richardson from uh, ESPN Radio in Northwest Arkansas asked me about the crowd, what he expected on Saturday. Razorback Stadium seats 76,000. He said his guess was somewhere between 55 and 65,000. So if you just split the difference and you say 60,000, that's 16,000 empty seats. That's a lot of empty seats if that turns out to be the case. Hey, that's been telling you really all week long, that the defense for Arkansas is what stands out. A couple of numbers on Arkansas's defense. The Razorbacks have three interception return for touchdown this year. That's one shy of the program record of four in 2016. So three pick sixes this year. And through seven games, the Razorbacks have uh, recorded 11 total takeaways, seven of those interceptions. Their plus-four turnover margin is second-best in the SEC. So this defense has a penchant not only for making plays, but for turning those into points and taking possessions away from opponents. One more note on Arkansas's defense. Jaheim Thomas, linebacker for the Razorbacks, has 69 tackles, six and a half for loss, three and a half sacks. He is the leading tackler in the SEC. He's a transfer from Cincinnati and has had five double-digit tackle games this season for the Razorbacks. So, hey, Dad, I ask you before the break, any anything new out of Starkville, uh, especially as it pertains to the quarterback position? At the quarterback position, I still feel very confident that Will Rogers is not going to play, or at least is not going to start uh, this weekend. I, I would be surprised to see him play at this point. Um, I just don't. I just from what I've, I've the people I've talked to and from what I've heard, 
I just don't see it happening. I think that they, they he is definitely out this week, and then it's it's going to be, you know, as we all are, it's going to be day to day for us after that. So we'll we'll see what next week brings, but don't expect to see Will Rogers this week. I think State got some good news yesterday from uh, from Woody Marks, who tweeted out some emojis. Now, I am not a fifteen year old girl, Ooh. so I don't speak emoji. Nor did I, I should have, you know, I, blame me, I should have let my, my ninth grade daughter look at that tweet and go, what is he saying? I didn't do that. That's on me for not being prepared. But it came across, if I just from my limited emoji knowledge, that we might see Woody Marks on the field uh, this weekend, which would be a big boost for Mississippi State to get him back and, and full strength into this offense. This has been a big emoji week for Mississippi State fans trying to decipher meaning from both players on the team mm-hmm. and players hopefully on the team in the future. Yes. Yes. And emojis, you know, for, for people our age, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough. You know, it's sort of like the whole, what with the Oklahoma thing where, where, where they were like, hey, if you can't figure out how to find us on a streaming network, ask a young person. I need to do that. I need to get some young people involved and say, hey, Help me out here, because I don't know. In, in in your day-to-day text messaging, how many different emojis do you use? On average, less than one. No, I don't mean per text. I mean, like, in ter- like, like the library of emojis is hundreds, if not thousands. Oh. How many of those do you actually uh, use? I have used the 100 emoji every now and then. Yeah. Um, I will throw a, uh, a smiley face in every now and then, especially if I've made what I feel is a sick burn on someone. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a really sick comeback. I think that's how they what they call it. Um, beyond that, I may occasionally I'll give you a thumbs up, and then if I'm talking about my buddy Tyler Horka, you might get a horns up every now and then with him. Okay. I use the thumbs up a lot. But, I, in you fact, I am, I am far more likely to send the thumbs up emoji than giving you a double tap thumbs up. On so a I do the double tap most of the time. Yeah. Um, the the two I do hands double tap ha ha too. So. Yeah. The, the 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 I don't know. Two hands in the air emoji. I use that a lot. Occasional okay. on the face palm. Yeah. Um, occasional on the fist bump. I like the sunglasses smiley face emoji. You do. These are I've seen you. I've gotten these emojis from you. Yeah, the the half frown is uh, occasional, mm-hmm. and then I've got the. Uh, if you type in wheels up, it gives you the airplane taking off, and I always mm-hmm. send that to Jane like right before my plane takes off. I'm like, so, so you have more emoji ism than I do. Yeah, this is what Woody Marks tweeted. You tell me. He gave us two. Uh, like laughing faces, but not the crying laughing, just the big grin. And he, those are those are on the outside, and then sandwiched in the middle is the pondering face, you know, the hmm face. I use that so one what, too. So what, what do you take from that? What do you take from that? I have no Good idea. news, maybe? <laughs> I love this. This is my You're favorite You're young, segment. Borky. Help us. I have no idea. Help us, Borky. Borky, do you use emojis? Are there any fifteen-year-old girls listening? No, I do, and I'll I'll use emojis sometimes. Keith and JS says wheels up is an emoji of cross one, laughing, crying face. (laughs) 
Keith Invaden says, this is the one that I use the most. He gives us the middle finger emoji. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. Tell us we're number one. David says, what is this double tap you speak of? Uh, all David right, David. must be on I can, Android. Can, uh, if you were using an Apple device, if, there, if somebody sends you a message that says, on the way home, if you just want to acknowledge it, you can tap twice on that message and give them a thumbs up. Um, if you are expecting something exciting in your future based on the person that's coming home, you could double tap it and give them the two exclamation marks. Maybe, maybe you're just excited to see the person. Um, what are the other, uh, you go heart, thumbs up, thumbs down, ha ha, exclamation marks or question marks. Yeah. So, so those are your like, but that doesn't actually, Respond as its own message. It just highlights on the message that has been sent to you. Bo from Starville says, Hey, Dad, would you say Richard has strong emojo? (laughs) Probably not. I like GIFs better than emojis. GIFs are better. GIFs, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lee and Stark Vegas sends us a picture of a cow and a picture of poo. What does that mean, Lee? (laughs) (laughs) We can't say it on the air. Yes, Probably yes. Serious I, XM I, I, I was, I was, uh, I was kidding. Uh, so yeah, there's, yeah, I do, uh, I do, I do like to. I, that's something. That's an old man thing. The uh, reply with GIF slash GIF, however you pronounce it. I've determined that pronunciation of that. I've given up. Whatever people want to say, I don't care. I GIF, have no strong feelings about it. GIF sounds better. GIF is peanut butter. Uh, the guy who invented it says GIF. Yeah, well, so that's why I go with that. Going back to I get it, Mississippi though. State. If you no, no, no. Numbers, this is where we are now. Statistically, are now. teams are pretty close in a bunch of major categories. Scoring yeah. offense, they are separated by three-tenths of a point. Arkansas 10th in the SEC at 29.9. Mississippi State 8th in the SEC at 30.2. Scoring defense, State's 11th at 29.5. Excuse me. Um... Arkansas is 10th in scoring defense at 25.1. Total offense, Mississippi State, a little bit better. Arkansas dead last in total offense, 14th. Yeah. 116th nationally at 321 yards per game. It's crazy. And what's interesting about the other side, though, mentioning if Mike Wright plays or not, this losing streak that they're on has featured three consecutive quarterbacks that can run. And um, yeah, and they were successful against. And not only are they three quarterbacks that can run, but Daniels is the best, having the best overall season in the SEC. Throws the football brilliantly. Jackson Dart can run, really throw the football Milrow well. Can run. Has got good weapons. You know, Milrow's the least accomplished passer of the three. But he's certainly athletic, and Arkansas did a really good job of keeping those three guys in check. They did. They, they absolutely did. Hey, who's a more viable Heisman candidate at this point, Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams? Daniels. Hey, Dad, there's a reason why I asked that question. We were like back in April, May, June, something like that, and we're just wondering, you know, wondering out loud about things, and I wondered about that. You remember that? And the two of you laughed at me about Jaden Daniels as a Heisman candidate. It was a long time ago. Just laughing at you. 
Oh, well, that had to do with your argument. We were just, that's good just like, look at this guy. No, it's not like I took that all the way to the bank and picked him to win the Heisman in our preseason predictions. No, I went with Joe Milton the third instead. So those two things probably cancel each other out altogether. Did we decide yesterday whose Heisman prediction was worse? Mine with Joe Milton or yours with Carson Beck? Uh, what was yours, Borky? I think Marvin Harrison. It's probably better than those two, but he's not winning it either. It's better pick. I agree with him. He's not winning it, but it's at least he's a better player. Yeah. We'll talk with David Cobb from CBS Sports coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon, getting closer to a big college football weekend. We're glad to be with you as always and glad to welcome David Cobb back to the show on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. David, of course, writes at CBS Sports, cbssports.com, and uh, always a pleasure to visit. David, what's up, my man? What's up, Richard? Not a whole lot. Uh, just looking forward to another good weekend of uh, college football. No, no game bigger than uh, the one that is happening in Columbus, Ohio, between number seven Penn State and number three Ohio State. Biggest test of the year for uh, for both of these teams. What are you expecting? Yeah, I'm expecting a pretty low scoring game. I think both these defenses are really among the best in the country. And they haven't been challenged. Hey, David, really I'm going to cut you off just for a second, see if we can get a little bit better connection. You kind of sound like Mr. Roboto, so uh, I'm going to let Borky hang up and call you back and see if we can try uh, again. So uh, we have Penn State, Ohio State this weekend. Penn State is the underdog on the road. Ohio State a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The total in this game is 45-and-a-half. Both quarterbacks have been pretty good, but not like blow-you-away good. Drew Aller with 1,254 yards passing and 12 touchdowns, while uh, Kyle McCord's got more yards. He's thrown for 1,651 yards and 11 touchdowns. So so let's try this again, David. Uh, sorry to cut you off mid-sentence. Yeah, no worries. I, no, I think I think it's a battle of the defenses, really, because uh, you go look statistically, these are two, two of the uh, better defenses in the Big Ten. Granted, Ohio State is still not an elite unit, but when you think about Ohio State under Ryan Day, you think about the offense, you think about the quarterback play. Yeah, I mean, Kyle McCord's fine, but what what makes Ohio State a legitimate national title contender is the fact that their defense is taking a big step forward now in year two under that coordinator, Jim Knowles. And so, you know, I think they've got a shot to hold down a Penn State offense that has been relatively pedestrian so far and that goes the other way too because Penn State is pretty nasty uh in the front seven and then all the way uh to to the back end of their defense so I'm looking at a 20 to 17 type of game between Ohio State and Penn State so Drew Aller has thrown for 1254 yards he's got 12 touchdown passes he's done a good job protecting the ball 
We were looking and, and kind of talking about his spray chart yesterday. And what is it, eight passes all season long out of 181 attempts that have traveled more than 20 yards in the air? Wow, that, that's incredible. I've been looking at some of those charts myself, uh, breaking down the Tennessee-Alabama game for a story tomorrow. And uh, both Jalen Milrow and Joe Milton are, are throwing the ball deep at a, at a much higher rate than that. And, and Joe Milton does it very unsuccessfully. So, so to see Penn State uh, be so hesitant to take the deep shots, I think it tells you something, one, about the level of opponent that they've played. Uh, they, they don't feel like they've had to do anything too risky offensively. And then, two, the lack of a big-time playmaking wide receiver threat for Penn State. That's the biggest issue here. And one of the biggest differences between Penn State and Ohio State, because Ohio State not only has Marvin Harrison Jr., but they've got about three or four other really, really high-caliber receivers, any of whom might be the number one target at Penn State. So we've been waiting on uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith to really hit at Penn State, but but it hasn't quite popped for him yet. So that's a concern and a great find by you guys to, to really break it down and see just how infrequently they're, they're taking those downfield shots. David, you were in Knoxville last weekend. You mentioned Tennessee just a second ago. They've got the, the cigar game with Alabama this year. That was one of the great scenes in college football a year ago. Is there anything that you saw last week from Tennessee? I, I know they had the huge plays by D. Williams in special teams, kind of in what separated by about four plays from where he downs it at the one until he gets the the uh, punt return for a touchdown on the on the short field. Is there anything you saw though from Tennessee last week that that gives you reason to believe that the Vols can can roll into Bryant Denny and pull an upset this weekend? Yeah, there's a couple of reasons why I actually think Tennessee can, can certainly cover the spread and, and maybe even win outright. And one is the rushing attack was successful against Texas A&M. And that was a Texas A&M defense that the week before had really shut down Alabama's rushing attack. And then the other element of it is the fact that Tennessee really pressured Max Johnson quite a bit. And the difference between playing A&M and playing Alabama is that Jalen Milrow can get out of the pocket and burn you with his legs. But if they do a good enough job of containing him and and spying him, uh, I think Tennessee could really frustrate Alabama in that way. And then then when Tennessee has the football, I do think they'll be able to run the ball at least relatively well against Alabama. Ole Miss goes to Auburn this weekend. Auburn leads the all-time series 35-11. to Ole Miss last one on the Plains in 2015. Prior to that, you got to go back to 2003 to find a win for the Rebels uh, at Auburn. It just doesn't happen very often. This is an Ole Miss team that is better than Auburn, and yet I think because of the history, especially in that stadium and in this series, Ole Miss fans – a little bit of trepidation going into this game. Is there reason for concern for Ole Miss, or if the Rebels show up and play well, is this one a foregone conclusion? Well, you've seen Hugh Freeze mastermind good game plans at times this season. I mean, it's obvious, painfully obvious, that he doesn't have the caliber of quarterback that he needs to run his offense. However, when they played Georgia, they did a really good job of keeping Georgia off balance in the first two and a half quarters of that game by running Peyton Thorne and just sort of um, cobbling together uh, enough creative play calls in a row to move the football against Georgia. And so we know the Ole Miss defense has its flaws. So this is a game that Hugh Freeze, I'm sure, has been waiting for and plotting for. Um, and I bet 
I bet he'll have some uh, some stuff up his sleeve. And so I, I get it. Night game at Jordan Heron, you're 100% spot on. Ole Miss is the better team, should win the game. But this is the one that I look at on Saturday and be like, I just think it could get weird, right? Like, of all the, the games involving ranked teams uh, on Saturday, maybe other than, than uh, the ones we're really paying attention to, uh, this is the one that, that sticks out to me for the potential chaos factor. And it's one of the reasons you mentioned. Uh, on the flip side, totally capable of going out and winning the game by four touchdowns. But uh, Hugh Freeze at Jordan Hare at night, it just to me has all those ingredients of something kind of wacky. Mississippi State goes to Fayetteville this weekend. Two teams that desperately need a win. For Arkansas, it's five straight losses, four of them in the SEC. It's the first time the Razorbacks have been at home in over a month. For Mississippi State, it's coming off uh, an open date. We don't know the status of uh, of Will Rogers. Most people seem to think that it's going to be Mike Wright that goes at quarterback for the Bulldogs. Who's got the edge in this when when you look at these two teams? Yeah, uh, both teams on the struggle bus, without a doubt. I, I lean Arkansas. Uh, to me, they have just been on the wrong end of a lot of really close games in a way that, to me, suggests the fate will eventually intervene and get them back in the win column. And honestly, I think I think the ship has already sailed on bowl eligibility for Arkansas, even with a win against Mississippi State. The dogs can still go bowling. I think if they, if they win this one, there, there's enough gettable games left on their schedule, but even with that, I think I think Arkansas uh, gets right here because um, what is Mississippi State good at? And, and I don't mean that disparagingly. It's just it, to me, it's not clear what their strength is. I, I feel like Arkansas defensively is still a pretty good team, and that offense might finally uh, get going this week because uh, it's been held down for for quite a while. And uh, I mean, so long as KJ Jefferson is healthy, uh, they're going to have a chance. And uh, if, it, if it is the case that Will Rogers can't go, um, then I think that, that flips things even further in favor of the uh, Razorbacks. David, last thing for you today. What do you make of the uh, the story out of Ann Arbor, NCAA investigating Michigan for spying on other teams uh, when they weren't supposed to be? How big of a deal of this, uh, how big of a deal is this potentially for Michigan? Yeah, it's, it's, I think the only reason why it might be a big deal is because Jim Harbaugh is already in trouble with the NCAA. And maybe it's a strike two or strike three situation at some point with, with him because this stuff type of stuff happens in college football all the time, signs, stealing. It's fairly common. Uh, I think you could ask coaches around the country and they would say that, that it happens on an annual basis, either against them or they wouldn't admit it, but, but some of them even engage in it. So it's, it's not all that uncommon. Uh, but it doesn't always come to light like this, and especially not in a situation where the coach in question is already the subject of NCAA scrutiny. So that's maybe the the issue here for Jim Harbaugh. Is I mean, we we've all seen the NCAA doesn't have a whole lot of teeth left, but maybe in this case they uh, they they tack on a game uh, to a suspension or something there for him with uh, the fact that he's been in hot water and in a very recent past. And uh, that is a yet-to-be-determined suspension by the NCAA, even though uh, Michigan uh, self-imposed three games to start the year. David, always good to catch up. Thanks for uh, jumping on the Farm Bureau phone line with us, and uh, enjoy the weekend. All right, guys. I appreciate it. You as well. David Cobb from CBS Sports, cbssports.com. Joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Take a quick timeout. When we come back, we will uh, wrap up the 4 o'clock hour 
with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Yes. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Always from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. A couple of messages on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395, if you want to join the conversation. Hate to admit it as an Ole Miss fan, but he's absolutely right. I mean, it's not like we've had really any success at Jordan-Hare, and with the freeze aspect of it, yeah, it could get weird pretty quickly. And to me, the question is, which Auburn do you get? Do you get the Auburn that hosted Georgia at Jordan-Hare on a Saturday afternoon a few weeks ago and was tied at halftime and had a third-quarter lead but couldn't hang on? Or do you get the Auburn that went on the road last Saturday night to Baton Rouge and was never really in the game? Which one do you get? So they did play well against Georgia, but Georgia did shoot themselves in the foot early in that game and allowed Auburn to stay in it and build momentum and stuff. Georgia played like crap in the first quarter and a half, really first half of that game. Is it just as simple as home and away? That they just they played better at home and they played poorly on the road at Tiger Stadium where lots of teams have played poorly through the years? It's possible. Where's the AM game? For Auburn? Mm-hmm. It was, they, that was in College Station. Wasn't it was at a and It was at A&M, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah lost 27-10 at Texas A&M. Lost 27-20. Home against Georgia. Lost 48-18 at LSU last week. Just the, the history thing, I just... I understand why people do it. I get it. I, I, totally, I get it. But if Ole Miss loses on Saturday, it's not because they never win there. Like, like this game is entirely about Ole Miss and how they play. People are overvaluing Hugh Freeze as a coach. Way overvaluing Hugh Freeze as a coach. He's not a magician, guys. He's a good coach. But if he's this brilliant offensive mind, unlike anything in America, why does his offense suck so bad? Why are they so bad if he's this magician that's going to pull all these tricks and it's going to be amazing he's going to have this great game plan that's going to blow your mind why hadn't he done it yet why hadn't he done it yet oh i don't think there's any question the offense isn't 
is a disaster. It's a disaster it, because he doesn't have the personnel to make it good. Like a, He's a good coach. They, he will win there until he doesn't, but in the meantime, he will win there. But when you've got what they have personnel-wise, there's only so much magic that you can do, and we've seen that every week this season. They are very bad at the most important position on the field. They're, the group of wide receivers is... Worse than any that he had at Ole Miss, including that first team. Running backs are okay. Offensive line appears to be okay-ish. If Ole Miss does not shoot themselves in the foot, if they play clean, mistake-free football, there is no magic that Hugh Freeze can pull out of whatever hat you think he can pull out of to win that game. Saturday is exclusively about how Ole Miss plays, and if they play well, they will not lose. Ole Miss and Auburn, in comparison to some other series that either Ole Miss plays or Auburn plays or any team in the SEC plays, has not played each other a lot. This is only the 47th meeting all-time. Auburn leads the all-time series 35-11. to And in Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss has won three times in, in 20 tries. 17-3 to is the record for Auburn, or 17-3 and is the record for Auburn in Auburn. Those three wins came in 1999. That was a 24-17 overtime win for the Rebels, and that was Tommy Tuberville and the Auburn Tigers with Ole Miss coming the year after he had left the program. And then 2003, which is part of that run that Ole Miss made leading up to their game against LSU where they had a chance to win the SEC West. And then uh, 2015. Who was that at quarterback for Auburn in 2015? Was that Chris Todd? Sound right? Almost won that game 27 to 19. Mm-hmm. Dang it. I can see him. I don't think it's Chris Todd. Okay. Well, regardless, the Auburn defense is the part to be concerned about, though, right? Because they're good. They're good. And I guess I know road versus home and all that. But man, LSU just did whatever they wanted. And, and they- Sean White. Mm. Okay. And they did it slowly, too. Like they, they didn't run fast possessions. They got the play in slowly, and they just line up. And if they wanted to run the football, they just handed the ball off and ran the football. And if they wanted to throw the football, they just dropped back and they threw the ball. It, they're good there. Certainly not bad. They're better than L- what LSU puts on the field on that side of the ball. But Ole Miss is comparable, talent-wise, to LSU's offense. And LSU did whatever they wanted. Let me ask you this. Would you be shocked if Quinshawn Judkins had 97 yards, Jackson Dart had 93, and Ulysses Bentley had 42? Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. clock hour with you on this Thursday afternoon, just around the corner from a big college football weekend. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio, Pearl River Resort, the home of nonstop entertainment. Learn more 
about the live events, the dining options, the gaming options, the recreation options, and more online at PearlRiverResort.com. That's PearlRiverResort.com. C Spire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. That's 601-879-4395. So much to uh, get to in this final hour of the show today. I want to remind you first, though, that uh, Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Find them online at genteelapparel.com or at men's clothing stores throughout the state of Mississippi, including the Country Gentleman in Greenville, Chandelure Outfitters in Ocean Springs, Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, Reed's in Starkville, Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg, and Abraham's in Indianola. The point that I was making before we went to the break, just ran out of time, I was looking at LSU's numbers from their game against Auburn, okay, going back to that box score. Logan Diggs was the leading rusher for LSU. On 18 carries, he had 97 yards and a touchdown. Could you see a scenario where Quinshawn Judkins does that on Saturday night against Auburn? Certainly. How could you not? Jaden Daniels carried the ball 11 times for 93 yards. Could you see a scenario where Jackson Dart does that or something similar? Less so. 93 is a lot for Dart, but he'll definitely get rushing yards. Yeah. And there was a 26-yard run in there for Jaden Daniels that kind of boosted Yeah, I figured there had to be a big play in there, yeah. And then John Emery carried it six times for 42 yards. Could you see Ulysses Bentley having that night? Or maybe flip-flopping Jaden Daniels and John Emery's number and saying Jackson Dart has 42 and Ulysses Bentley goes yeah. for 93. Whatever whatever the total rushing yards were for LSU in that game, Ole Miss could certainly match Ole Miss can certainly match that, yes. And then through the air, Jaden Daniels threw for 325 yards and three touchdowns. Jackson Dart matched that number. I, I don't know, and my hesitation is, what does Jordan Watkins give you? Does he give you anything? Did he miraculously heal from the hand injury that he had and he's ready to go and he can catch the ball and handle it and all of that good stuff? Or is Jordan Watkins out for this game, unable to go, and is there somebody that kind of steps up into that role? Hard for me to see a 300-yard passing game for Jackson Dart if Jordan Watkins doesn't play. I'm saying it's impossible. Great. I mean, maybe you have the coming out party for Aiden Williams and Trey Harris has a big night and Zachary Franklin is able to finally give you something. I, I don't know. Maybe Caden Priestcorn catches four balls for 90 yards. I don't know. And then on the defensive side. That's where I was going to go there. I think that Ole Miss wins this game defensively. Like I think offensively they'll be fine. They'll be around 30 points or so, but I just don't see Auburn scoring a whole bunch of points here in this game. Auburn this year has scored 30 points or more. How many times? Twice. They had 59 against UMass. Yeah, but against yeah, and they had 45 against Samford. Outside of that, they've scored 14 in a win at Cal, 10 in a loss to A&M, 20 in a loss to Georgia, and 18 in a loss to LSU. And seven of those 20 uh, came after a Georgia turnover deep in their own territory. Mm. But yeah, they can't move the football, man. Uh, Again, I know it was in Baton Rouge, 
But that LSU defense is abysmal, right? I mean, Ole Miss did over 700 yards of offense. I don't care who the team is. That's an abysmal defensive performance as well. And then Missouri did the exact same thing a week later. They're not good there. And right. Auburn couldn't move the football at all. And I've, I had heard people talking about, well, Hugh's going to go all in on Ashford this week, and that's going to be a problem for Ole Miss. And I just I want to say, why do you think that that is the case? There's a reason Hugh doesn't play him every snap already. There's a reason the kid's not playing. You think, on one hand, you think Hugh Freeze is a brilliant football coach, and on the other, you think that he is purposefully not playing his better quarterback. I mean, people are really kind of losing their minds over this game. He's a good athlete. He can run a little bit. He can't consistently complete easy passes. That's why he doesn't play a lot. Auburn had 293 total yards of offense against a bad LSU defense. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, let's get to the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. All right, Borky, what's this What's this college football fix setup you've got? Uh, you guys remember the show Fear Factor? You guys remember that? Uh, Joe? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan was the host. Uh, was he really? Yeah, he was. It, it was a Joe Rogan Before thing. he was our greatest trendsetter and newsmaker, yes. yeah. Yeah. Um, and wealthy podcaster. Where they, they'd bring a yeah. few people in and, and they would put them through challenges where they would have to, like, lay in a bed of snakes and do stuff like that. It was called Fear Factor. And I was thinking about that show when I came up with this idea. Joe Rogan, by the way, earns a little over $100,000 per podcast episode. It's kind of like thunder. I that. earn less, in case anybody's wondering. Yeah, I, in, I'm just a little less. And most of his episodes are just smoking and drinking with comedians. And they just sit there and laugh for three hours and hit upload. Maybe I, maybe I should change things up. Any comedians here in the Starville area, give me a call. Oh, man. I'll buy the booze. Um, but... As we've talked about a little bit this week, it appears, and let's do this with both teams, but it appears that there are Ole Miss fans that are afraid of this game. They're afraid of Hugh Freeze, they're afraid of Jordan Hare, they're just afraid. The fear factor of this game. What would you say that, if you were talking to Ole Miss fans, which you are right now, and State fans, which you are right now, how afraid of this game should they actually be? What is the fear factor, there you go, of this game? For Ole Miss fans and for State Nailed fans. It. For Ole Miss fans, it should be, I mean, on the scale of how you feel going into a game against Alabama, how you're going to feel in the game going in against Georgia, with that being one end of the spectrum and the game at home against Vanderbilt next weekend being at the other end of the spectrum, it should be far closer to Vanderbilt than Alabama and Georgia. Far closer. And look, I mean, I, I've said all week long as we've talked about this, 
there isn't a Hugh Freeze factor. Like we talked about it because I guess there's a storyline there, but in terms of the outcome of the game, it doesn't factor in at all. It factors in for fans. Maybe it leads to fear factor there. It has no effect on the players on the field for Ole Miss, and I don't think it has any effect on Lane Kiffin either. It's just a non-factor. And so when you boil it down to just the fact of, okay, this is the team that we're playing, Ole Miss is a lot better than Auburn this year. A lot. So go out and play the game and win. What about so for you're saying it's a non-fear factor? A non-fear factor for, for Ole Miss? It, it is, it is a, a low fear factor. I mean, there should be some level of fear it, related to every is it single SEC factor game. Fear factor. I don't know. Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. Yeah, on the road in the SEC, there's always a level of can lose this one. Always. Right. But outside of that, that yeah, shouldn't first, exist. State's fear in this game is kind of like an existential fear, right? It's not so much hey, we might lose. It's more like, what happens if we lose? You know, it's kind of like, what happens when we die? Nobody really knows. What happens when State loses? It becomes a a, a much bigger thing for Mississippi State if they if they drop this game. What? You said when, not if. Was that Freudian? No. I'm, oh. I, I, my prediction's already locked in. You can hear it on tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast. You heard it last night on Thunder and Light, Lightning Live. Yeah, I did. Uh I just, if state, I'll say if, if state loses this game, it beca- the, the questions surrounding Mississippi State go from what do they have to do to get this team back on track? Can they win games? It becomes more of where is the program going? What is the program going to do in the next, you know, year or two? Is Zach Arnett going to be the guy for this program? So the, the, the fear factor for state is much more, is much bigger fear than just this game fear. Compared to Will East's fear of snakes, greater or less? <laughs> Nothing is greater than that. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, I got something I think you'll giggle about. This from the Auburn Rivals site, Auburn Sports. You know, all these sites name their their different message board communities. Theirs is called The Bunker. Um, yeah. J- J- Tate some, some of those names really make sense and, and, and fit the tradition of the schools, and some don't. Continue, though. What am I missing? You'll figure it out eventually. You're a smart guy. Uh, So Jay Tate at Auburn Sports writes, Most of you know by now that Crime McGriff is taking some time off. That's, That's former Ole Miss defensive coordinator Wesley McGriff. The genesis of this sabbatical. Best defense in the world. Yeah, the genesis of this sabbatical, I guess we'll call it, is a practice field disagreement 
between crime and defensive coordinator Ron Roberts. The disagreement led to a heated verbal exchange. It was the kind of thing where it was best for these two guys to work separately for a period of time. So that's how things are being handled. Tanner Burns is working with defensive backs in McGriff's stead at the moment. Not sure what the future holds. I'm sorry, you had a defensive position coach and the defensive coordinator get into a fight on the practice field? That is something. Halfway through year one. McGriff was trying to explain the defense that can stop any offense. And and whoever who is Auburn's defensive coordinator, I don't know off the top of my head, uh, didn't wasn't having it. He's like, I don't think that's how it works. Who's and I watched the film of your twenty Auburn's Ron Roberts. Ron Roberts, okay, yeah, Delta State yeah, he, Baylor. Ron, Ron was like Wesley. I watched the film of your twenty eighteen Ole Miss defense, and you couldn't stop a nosebleed. So we're gonna go with what I want to do. What was it? Uh, how was it that Nick Saban once described it like uh, something through a tin horn? Mm-hmm. I believe it was. Yeah, they just had their eyes in the wrong place. Just need to limit the menu. <laughs> you remember that? I do. What a great quote. Oh, he's good he, who, for those. Who was he referring to? It was. Uh, it wasn't Furman, was it? It's it like was like Utah State, something like that. It was. It, no, no, no. It was the Citadel, wasn't it? That's why. That's exactly. It was the Citadel. And they ran for, like, yeah. 250 yards in the first half or something like that. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when he yeah. was smiling during his halftime interview? That that was my favorite Nick Saban moment, possibly of all time. I think that they were losing, right? Wasn't it, like, 9-7, to seven, something crazy like that? Yeah, they, they, Citadel had a brief first-half lead on them, yes. And because of the way the Citadel played at the time, they stink now for whatever that's worth, but they, they ran the triple option stuff, and they slowed that game down. Alabama had, like, two possessions in the first, something crazy like that. And they're, they're catching Nick Saban on his way off the field at halftime, and he is smiling that his team is losing to the Citadel because was- you know what he was about to do in the locker room at halftime. They ended up winning by like half a hundred, but yeah, it was ten to ten at the half. He's smiling on his way in. That was an Alabama team that finished. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, they were they were eleven and zero. That was their game before the Iron Bowl. Oh man, you know he I just absolutely. If loved I recall correctly, the previous two games of that season, Alabama had shut out LSU and Mississippi State, and then so the Citadel went in there and scored on them, and everybody was just like. So easy, anybody can do it, except for LSU and Mississippi State, apparently. I mean, that was with Tua playing quarterback? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, goodness. Passing yards in that game for the Citadel? Um, 13? No, they were... They were O of... Wait, how does that happen? How do you go O of 2 for minus 4 yards? A sack? Yeah, that doesn't count toward passing yards. No, that's though. not right. Yeah, that's a good point. Something get... Uh, nah, anyway, you're going to make me look. You're going to make me no look sense. at this box score. Re- regardless, the Citadel ran for 275 yards that day. <laughs> if uh, I remember correctly, that was a pretty good defense that Alabama had yeah. as well. 
I, I would love to know how much time they actually spent truly how much time they actually spent on preparing for the Citadel before that game. The week before the Iron Bowl. Well, I mean, because it was a triple option team, some. Uh, right, but I, w- I would love to know like how much actual time they put mm-hmm. into that. But um, People are hitting us with, isn't it Georgia Southern? No, it was the Citadel. We're sitting here looking at the box score. They rushed for 270-odd yards. Um, do you see what LSU's doing this weekend, by the way? Now, it, the Army guys that I know don't like to be coddled or even treated differently. So I don't know if this is something that everybody should do all the time because uh, old high school buddy went to West Point. I met some of his friends, and you know they're, they're not into pat me on the back and tell me I'm special because I went to Army. They're very well put together. and Anyway, but LSU is painting their end zones, uh, have painted their end zones for the game against Army this weekend, camo. Uh, to yeah. to honor Army and and they've even started like a fan thing because obviously they boo every opposing team that takes the field. Not going to do that on Saturday. They, they plan on uh, a stadium uh, ovation for Army as they take the field uh, in Tiger Stadium. I think that's really cool uh, for LSU to do both of those things. Yeah, I think we talked about this just a little bit yesterday. Obviously, you were out more. He it looks really cool. It's well done. Yeah, because when Heyday was telling me about it yesterday, I was like, "Wait, purple and gold camouflage?" He was like, "No, no, it's it's regular. So it's it's green and brown camouflage with LSU and big black block letters. It's really, really well done. I think it looks super cool. And there's some people that are like, "Yeah," but most people are are pretty. Think it's pretty cool. That looks really good. It does. It absolutely does. Are they doing anything with the midfield logo? Or, or is what I saw like a Photoshop? What did you see? Yeah, what did you see? I saw like a camouflage tiger eye with a backwards cap on top of it. That would be sick, but I, I don't. I haven't seen that, so I don't know. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. So, if you would like to be a part of the conversation. Apparently, Georgia Southern is who Saban was talking about the Ten Horn game. Nah. But we also had a kind of a Saban moment going off the field at halftime in that game against the Citadel. Did you guys talk about Dabo's comments yesterday? No, we did not. No, because you weren't on here, so nobody cared about Dabo. Well, that's not very nice, first of all. Second of all... He's got that drip, you know. He does have that drip. Here's the quote. This is Dabo Sweeney, who's on year two of a 10-year, $115 million fully guaranteed contract, okay? Quote, we're at a point where if you don't go undefeated, you're losers, you're terrible. And that is such a terrible mindset. Honestly, maybe we need to lose a few games and lighten up the bandwagon. Sometimes it can get a little too full. Is that uh, is that Dabo Sweeney telling some of his fans to go away? Yep. Because that seems like a bad plan. Mm-hmm. Later clarified that, oh, what did he say? 98.5% of our fans are great, but the 1.5% are causing problems. The head coach, the second highest paid head coach in America, who, again, 
115 fully guaranteed million-dollar contract said maybe we should lose a few games to get fans off the bandwagon. You know, I just... Borky, I know you you think I'm supposed to have a pretty strong take on most everything. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I just don't think it matters. It doesn't matter what Dabo says. It's stupid. If Lane Kiffin said that, I would spend three hours talking about how stupid that is and how mad fans should be for their coach saying, maybe we should lose games. It's good that we lose games, so you guys shut up. Well, Lane Kiffin hasn't won two national championships at Ole Miss, so that changes the equation a little bit. No. But Clemson lost to Duke by three touchdowns this year. Yeah, I did. They did. But Davo's never been afraid to say what's on his mind, and if he's frustrated with fans, he's just going to let it fly, and he doesn't care. He's untouchable, and he's won two national championships. Just say whatever he wants to. He's always been emotional. He's always just kind of let it fly in terms of what he says. And we've kind of on the regular said that a lot of the stuff that he says doesn't make any sense and is dumb and is hypocritical and whatever. And I think he just realizes it just doesn't matter. What are they going to do? Are you going to fire me? Okay. Just fill in the check to retire, you know, write retirement fund on the memo line on the $100 million check you write me. We'll be back. Sports Talk, Mississippi. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk, Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk, Mississippi. Mississippi, thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. If you're looking for a new vehicle, maybe it's a truck, maybe it's an SUV, maybe it's a car, well, they've got you covered at both Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. And it's not just like, hey, it's car lot, so it's got cars. They'll take care of you. They'll listen to you, what you're looking for, try to kind of help you figure out what fits your budget, help you with the best financing options that are available, and they'll do it all without any pressure. Right? They're not, they're not trying to just get you in a car and get you out the door and get you on your way. If you're looking for a truck, it's an F-150. They've got plenty of them on the lot right now. A couple of really good-looking Ford F-150s. A bunch of different trim options are available. And um, if you are looking for a Toyota truck, you can check into the Tacomas or the Tundras at Oxford Toyota. They're located on Highway 6 West in Oxford. They've also got uh, a great service department. So whether it's the routine maintenance things, you got that pesky check engine light on or 
need tires rotated or your oil changed or it's something more serious. And could be more serious if you've got a diesel. They've got a great diesel shop at Belk Ford as well. Check them out online, belkford.net or oxfordtoyota.com. Belk Ford on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Um, let's see. Texas A&M is now two years without a road win? Two years. Yes. Yes. Two years. That's a long time. How does that happen? <laughs> well, you start with having a pretty average coach, uh, and you go from there. But he, there, there's going to be two, possibly two, possibly three SEC jobs open, and maybe there's other movement elsewhere because there tends to, to have that too. Let's pretend for a second that it doesn't work out for Sam Pittman. He loses to Mississippi State this weekend. Wheels fall off. They fire him. And Jimbo gets his $70 million, which it is, again, being reported that they've got the money. So if if they've got the money, then it's over, and they're just waiting for the appropriate time. Everybody that covers college football will say that Texas A&M is a better job than Arkansas. And, you know... They will have more money for NIL. They've got more money for facilities, and they're in a, in a more talent-rich state. And Arkansas has really struggled as of late, so it kind of throws a wrench into this. But are we sure Texas A&M is this great job? Because nobody wins there. They don't win. In my lifetime, I was born in 92. What has Texas A&M won? What have they won? And how many coaches have they had since then? They've always been in a talent-rich state. They've always been rich in alumni. They've always had great stuff. Why don't they win? So people are going to do this, well, this coach needs to leave because AM's clearly a better job, or this coach needs to leave because Arkansas is clearly a better job. But is that really reality anymore in this new era of college football when we're seeing programs, atypical programs, come up and create great teams? I mean, Washington's not a national power. I know they've had success in the past and stuff, but you don't when you think big college football brands powers, you don't think Washington. But look at Washington and look at what they are. Texas A&M will have no Okay, hold on, let me back up for a second. It's hard to hire a, a football coach. It just is. It, it, it's more difficult. It's more difficult than it's ever been to hire a football coach because the expectations are so high, the stakes are so high, the patience is low, and the expectation everywhere you go is to win. Whether whether you're hiring a coach at Texas A and M or at Vanderbilt, the expectation is the guy that you're paying millions of dollars wins football games. So who is Texas A&M interested in hiring? Using your example a second ago with Washington, are they going to hire Kalen DeBoer away from Washington? Probably not, although Washington would 
likely have to get right on the money because Kalen DeBoer is not making a ton of money. Yeah, I would certainly try if I were them. Yeah, but... are they going to hire Dan Lanning away from Oregon? No, yeah. they're not. Are they going to hire Lance Leipold away from Kansas? Eh, if they wanted to, would that be a big enough splash for Texas A&M? I don't know. But even if they can't go out and hire Nick Saban, Kalen DeBoer, Dabo Sweeney, Dan Lanning, heck, I don't know, Hugh, Free, or, uh, Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, they could, whatever. I'm not starting that. It will always be an attractive job because of the resources. But if Texas A&M has to go hire a football coach, they better go hire a football coach with a proven track record of winning. Now, hold on a second. The guy they just hired won a national championship. He did. But he did in a different era. So what's out of line? Is it the expectations at A&M that are out of line? But can you say their expectations are out of line when they invest in the program the way they invest in it? No, but also look at the league that they're in. And, and oh, by the way, Borky, if they fire Jimbo Fisher and pay him $70 million to go away, what are they going to have to pay the next guy? Because they've already established the fact that they're willing to pay $9.5 million a year for a head football coach. Mm-hmm. You're not about to go hire one for four, for 4 or 5 or $6 Because whoever you get, you're going to want people to know you believe is worth more than somebody making that much money. And if you hire anybody that is good enough, they're going to demand at least close to what Jimbo was making. You would think. There's only one name that makes sense. Only one name that makes sense. It's Urban Meyer. As close to guaranteed victory as you can get in college football. Still... Still, I say because he can recruit, and I know Sumlin is recruiting well. I know, but he's also he he'll bring he he is a better coach. He has proven it than than is. I mean, the guy's had undefeated seasons at three different schools, right? But but hey, Dad, at the end of his tenure, Matt Brown was still recruiting at a high level based on stars. So did Charlie Strong. Mm-hmm. So did Tom Herman. Well, it's I would be agree the right with that, but the fact too. is. But at the same time, Urban Meyer was still winning at Ohio State, and then when he left, they kept winning. You know, they, they did. There wasn't a quick drop off. They, they, they. His his recruits bridged the gap. That's the guy. That's who Texas A and M should target, and they're going to have to probably pay him eleven, twelve million dollars a year. But that's what they're going to have to pay him, and we'll all bear the brunt of it at the gas tank. Oh, but he claimed that he's happy on television and doesn't want to get back into. Oh, into I'm you know I'm happy here at Super Talk, but somebody offers me twelve million dollars a year, and I'll see you guys later. But that, that's the you thing. might actually move. I, I would move for twelve million. You could get me out of the state of Mississippi pretty easily. To be honest with you. No, I meant just out of your house that you said you would die in. Oh yeah, yeah. Because at that point, I could afford movers. I don't have to lift a finger. <laughs> you know, are you, are you at that point? You could be like, you know what? 
Just leave it all. Just buy new stuff when we get. Like, like, there's not one fr- that, other than a few pictures. A friend of mine had a friend who was a lawyer who won some big lawsuits, and that's exactly what they did. They bought a new house and they just left everything behind. And said, "We'll take care of it when we get to the new house." It's as is. We don't want all your furniture. Well, you can pay us less, and you dispose of it. Yeah, well, I don't. I'm just saying, when you show up, that couch is going to be here because I'm not taking it. Mm. We just bought new couches. They're great. New. We got new appliances in the kitchen. No problem. So, so you you think that the discussion at A and M, if they were to make a change, stops at Urban Meyer? It should be. That's one. That is one one. That's where it should be. If you can't get him, there's plenty of great options all around the country. But that's the guy you got to target. It has to be a sitting head coach, right? For them, has to be. Oh, they can't. They can't take a. Uh, they can't take a coordinator. No. They can't hire Jeff Levy away from Oklahoma. Oh, they could. No. They could, but no. Oh, I don't mean like can they pull that off or not? Of course they can. Right, right. I know what you. I know what you mean. Yes. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap it up with you coming up next. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. One last time with you on this Thursday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. Got the Mississippi Bombers fall invite happening this weekend. And U-Triple-S-A baseball happening next weekend. That rounds out the month of October. Some November events still to come. If you're involved in scheduling for your son or daughter's team, be sure to check out the website, mtradepark.com. See the events calendar that shows all of the events that are coming up. Great facilities, and they run really, really good tournaments. If you're going to play, play mtrade, mtradepark.com. Tomorrow we will have a Food Friday. Looking forward to that. Bruce Marshall will join, as he always does on Fridays. Will East will be along to talk about high school football as well. So uh, a ton coming on. If uh, if you want to be a part of the conversation, join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Hey, guys, love the show. Name's Eddie, huge old Miss fan. I'm from West Point, but I now live in the Jackson, Tennessee area. I listen to the podcast uh, form of the show after work every evening, so you guys may know I'm a day behind. Just wanted to let you know do a phenomenal job covering Mississippi sports, especially Ole Miss and State. Also enjoy the Rebel Report and the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Yes, Brian, I'm one of those Ole Miss fans that listens to your podcast because your humor cracks me up. Thank you, Eddie. Appreciate the message very much. Great to hear from you. Thanks, Dad. Um, (laughs) Jeff, Richard, you talked about purchasing a new family dog a few months ago. 
How is she slash he doing? Mac is great. Um, he is still a little skittish. It's kind of taken him a while to kind of come into own his own as his personality. Um, but he's getting there. He, he likes Jane the most. Like, she's his person, even though this was kind of Obi's dog. But, yeah, family dog. I thought we hit a milestone today. I went by Jane's store. She had taken him to the store. And he was kind of in the back of the store, and I just I walked about halfway back and squatted down. I was like, hey, Matt. And he turned and looked at me, and he came, like, running and nearly knocked me over. So that was yeah. cool. That was cool. Good dog. Thanks for asking, Jeff. Um, Russ in Tupelo, Saints 24, Jags 21. I just I need this one. You know, I was thinking about Southern Miss fans. They even tweeted this on Tuesday night. Uh, the Saints need to win because I know there's a lot of crossover Southern Miss Saints fans, like a ton, more so than in the old Miss and State fan base for sure. They they need this one tonight, just yeah. so they they can they, just so they can feel something, you know. Because Tuesday's the kind of loss that you don't feel anything about. Like you can't even be mad. It's just dejection. As I'm, I'm just uh, emptiness. And so nobody wants to be dejected about their team, right? And so maybe they can get a little something to feel good about as they enter the weekend with the Saints win tonight. They deserve those people deserve a football win tonight. Okay. Or perhaps they'll just be completely dead inside tomorrow. One way or the other, we'll find out. Uh Mike Elko for A and M. See, that that makes sense. It's kind of realistic. I mean, just I mean, he was there, yeah. Yeah. I know that Look, to, to use a local example, I know that the Texas A&M has more of everything than that of Ole Miss. I, I know they, they absolutely do. But ten years ago, versus now, I, I, people will tell you it's a better job, and it's hard to argue against that. But the question of how how much better is it really is a fair question. How much better is it really when Ole Miss has had success recently where A&M has not? Hell, Ole Miss's backup quarterback's making a few hundred K. If the rumors are true anyway, he's making something so they can pay. Not in the same way AM can pay, but they can. They can invest in staff. You got a defense coordinator making over two million, a head coach making nine plus. So That's just money that's easier to spend at Texas AM than at Ole Miss. It is. But better, sure. But how much better? You could probably argue that A&M's a better job than Washington, but how much better? Andre. Our friend Andre. Thank you guys for saying that the LSU field looks good. It's world-class stencils and paint. Hey. Oh, there you go. Having a stencil to do a camouflage end zone is a better idea than just kind of freewheeling it. I don't think you want to try and just get that right by hand painting it without a stencil. Nah. Good plan. Nah, it would have been funny to watch, though. And uh, certainly the. Uh, Could have played that music class. again. Which music? Oh, the. The Benny Hill? Watch yeah. somebody try to, try to pay, paint camouflage? Yeah. Yeah. No plan? Lucas and Union. Borky, did you tell Richard that I thought his text to me today about winning the Polk's pick six last week was a scam? I didn't. He checked with me to make sure that that was you. Lucas, it was not a scam. 
<laughs> you went six and zero, oh, man. Sausage wrongdoing. You went sixty six and zero oh and had a nice tiebreaker. Congratulations, you're a winner. Thanks you won for being with us. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. Borky and Haydad, I'll have you tomorrow. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.